SciLaDB is a fast and highly scalable, no SQL database designed to provide predictable performance at a massive cloud scale. It can handle millions of operations per second at a scale of gigabytes or petabytes. It's also designed to be compatible with Cassandra and DynamoDB APIs. Scylla is used by Zillow, Comcast, and Discord's 350 plus million users, and it continues to gain popularity and other cloud-native and highly scalable cloud-centric workloads. Dora Lauer is the co-founder and CEO of Scylla, and he is our guest today. This episode is hosted by Lee Acheson. Lee Acheson is a software architect, author, and thought leader on cloud computing and application modernization. His best-selling book, Architecting for Scale, is an essential resource for technical teams looking to maintain high availability and manage risk in their cloud environments. Lee is the host of his podcast, Modern Digital Business, produced for people looking to build and grow their digital business. Listen at mdb.fm. Follow Lee at softwarearchitectureinsights.com and see all his content at leeatchison.com. Dor, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hi, Lee, and hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Great. And let's start out with the question that's been, that's gotten me for a while. I've always pronounced it SkylaDB until I found out recently, you know, Scylla is the more correct pronunciation, but I understand that there's other ways to pronounce it as well, too. What What's the story behind the name and what's the story behind the pronunciation? Uh, well, we have a couple of interesting stories. Uh, thanks for asking, and it's pretty much always the number one question. So uh, the story behind the name is that uh, we pivoted early on uh, when we started the company. We did something else, and we needed to, to we needed to choose a different name. So uh, we we were a distributed company from day one, and we used Google Doc to uh, collect ideas about names, and uh, Scylla was one of them. Now we wrote Scylla uh, in the Google Doc along with other names, but uh, no, everybody pronounced it in their mind, but, but uh, we, we didn't meet. So it was all uh, written down without pronunciation. And eventually we voted and we selected this name. And then uh, we had a meeting uh, two weeks before the launch and we realized, hey, <laughs> everybody has a different idea about how to pronounce Scylla. So at the end of the day, we have a rule. If you use it in production, you get to pronounce it the way you want it to. Oh, that makes sense. That's cool. So so um, it, the particular pronunciation that you prefer, though, is Scylla, not Skyla. Is that correct? Correct. But uh, I was also thinking about pronouncing it uh, as, as Skyla, but uh, it's, uh, it's just only pronunciation. Yeah, makes sense. So let's talk um, about Scylla then. It's you know it's a it's a highly competitive database in a very crowded product space. There's a lot of products that do similar sorts of things. Well, why another database and what does um, Scylla provide over and above you know DynoDB and all of the other similar no no SQL modern databases? Indeed, very good question. Actually question where my co-founder and, and I uh, sat before we started the company. We listed multiple ideas to, for for a setup, and one of them was a database with uh, a design for SSDs. And we crossed that, we marked it as, as office because we, we believed back then that everybody already have done it. So we selected another idea. Eventually, it, it was an operating system from scratch. Eventually, 
we had to uh, pivot away from it. Uh, that OS still lives, but uh, that's another whole episode, story for a whole episode. Um, so uh, when we looked for another idea and actually uh, we're using the, the OS that we created that's supposed to boost databases and other workloads compared to Linux, we stumbled across Cassandra and Redis and multiple other products, Hadoop, but back then it was uh, a late 2014. And uh, we realized that with Cassandra, when we ran Cassandra, we didn't manage to show the improvement uh, over the OS that we created from scratch versus Linux. And when we did the same with Redis, for example, we boosted Redis by 70%. Uh, we, we had a super cool uh, kernel with our own TCP IP stack and other things. So Redis was relatively a slim application in C++ that basically it's more of a lightweight cache. Uh, and Cassandra was a full-fledged, relatively heavyweight Java process. And uh, we realized the complexity lies within Cassandra. And uh, if you change the underlying engine, it wouldn't change the needle that much. And back then, Cassandra was uh, was the, among the 10th most used databases. So we, we did one month plus one, did additional research, and we realized, okay, let's uh, rewrite uh, Cassandra from scratch in C++, bring all of the knowledge we have from... Uh, Operating system creation. We, we uh, Avi, my co-founder, uh, had the novel idea how to create the KVM hypervisor and the implementation. I, I managed that team, so we, we had an, a lot of op, uh, opinionated uh, ideas of how to create a, a low latency infrastructure, and it happened to to be that we're targeting the database uh, space, and and Cassandra was screaming from inefficiency, but, but back then. Uh, Google published a, a, a paper that they use 330 machines to get million operations per second uh, with uh, all of the replication and all. And uh, in 2012, uh, KVM, the, uh, the hypervisor we created, broke the world record with a uh, number of uh, I.O. operations, like just, just file system operation, and a signal VM did 1.6 million operations. So it, it's really comparisons of uh, apple to oranges, but, but it was screaming of inefficiency. So we realized, let's keep the really good interface Cassandra has, also derived from uh, other, it stands on the shoulder of uh, giants of uh, Dynamo paper and big, big tables. Let, let's keep all the, all the goodies that come from this uh, type of uh, wide column structure uh, just change implementation, and basically, this is what we've we've been doing since. Yeah. So your your intent was a high performance Cassandra, and and that's really what you've what you've accomplished. But it is it's a your your biggest competitor right now. Really, I guess it is still Cassandra, but it's mostly I would say Dino um, DynoDB. Correct is your biggest competitor at the moment. And so to, today, as you said before, there are so many databases. So the, the, there is no one gigantic target and, and that we just target it. But basically, we solve problems at scale. Some databases cannot scale at all. Like they're extremely good in what they do, like relational databases. Uh, but but they, they, it's extremely problematic, not impossible, but it's extremely complex and problematic to scale them. Some databases can scale, but to a level, uh, and they, they may have uh, 
additional problems while they scale sometimes stability. And some of them are can scale, but they are extremely expensive. Uh, so we, we solve problems at scale, and depending on the, the pain that uh, uh, our, our users are having with, uh, with other platforms, at the end of the day, if they do not have pain, they, they can stick with what they've got. So it, it, it's kind of an interesting space. I mean, the, the data um, the, um, database storage space, because it, it, it requires, it's the one part of an application that fundamentally requires that people make decisions early on in the product development process about exactly what type of database they want to use. Maybe they can, uh, you know, they, they don't have to get the specifics. You can always move from, you know, like moving from MySQL to Postgres is usually pretty easy, right? And and things like that. But but you have to understand the, the type of data architecture you want to do, want to use at the very beginning of your application development. So you know whether or not you want to use, whether you need a, my, uh, a, a SQL-based database or a NoSQL database or, you know, key value, wide table, whatever, whatever type of structure you need. You need to decide that pretty early on in your product development process. So early, in fact, that you really don't know your scaling needs. So, you know, what advice do you give to someone who's trying to decide, should I, you know, basic question number one, should I build my application using SQL or no SQL and why? What, what, what's the fundamental advice you give to someone in that quandary? That's a very common quandary that, that early, develop, early development processes are in. But what do you give the, uh, as advice to those people? Um, so at the end of the day, um, let, let's say it's, it's about the, the workload and your anticipation and, and, and from the usage patterns. So if uh, the, the workload isn't that big and it can fit workloads that can run on SQL types of uh, databases, go ahead and, and pick SQL. They're the best databases. Uh, they give the best flexibility and, and the, the, the best uh, query capabilities. Uh, so, so that'll be the, the easiest if uh, the, the amount of data is not gigantic. Um, uh, also, it's not just about the amount of data, it's also about uh, the latency, the, the throughput, and the high availability in disaster, the disaster recovery. If you need uh, active-passive, maybe relational databases can still work. If you need active-active and you need to sustain um, a region that goes down, uh, then probably SQL is not your solution. If you can go back to the cup theory and you need to select two out of three or to some time of uh, approximation. The, the, to, uh, the, today, sometimes the boundaries get blurred, but at the end of the day, the, uh, you need to model your failures and, and what you like to support with it, with your applications. Now, some applications are really web-based properties. If you're planning to compete with Discord, uh, with the Spotify and the Disney's of the world, then you, you better start right and uh, you, you expect to have a 24-7 mission-critical application with lots of data and lots of users. If you're working on, let, let's say, a startup of... Uh, a small startup with 10 people and the product in terms of, let's say you, you're just doing um, credit card transactions. Uh, I, I was just talking about this with our original VP of sales. 
Um, so how, how many credit card transactions you're going to have a second? Probably not that much. Actually, uh, is, is, is probably such a company's product will evolve over time. They'll add uh, a fraud prevention uh, application with the database that needs, will need to do many more uh, database transactions in order to validate the, 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 uh, whether the user is, uh, is a real one versus a fraud. And there, there may be many more uh, a database uh, activities, and you may need NoSQL there. While at your core, uh, the activity may be sufficient to with uh, with SQL, but uh, we've seen that users can be flexible, and there is not necessarily a need to do premature optimization. Uh, you, you need to optimize east from the very beginning. You need scaling, then go ahead pick the 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 most scalable database uh, you need. Uh, if initially you care about uh, speed of pro programming and just uh, you don't ha even have product market fit, you can also try to do what's what what's makes sense. Uh, uh, Discord, for example, one of our users, they started with MongoDB because they they need they needed the agility, and I believe that they also did a pivot early on. Um, once the platforms picked up, they moved to Cassandra. Uh, but back then we were pre-GA. They, they looked at us, but we were didn't have a, um, a GA release. And and a couple of years later, they moved to us. So it, it is possible to change uh, while you're growing. Yeah, it, you're right. You certainly can change technologies while you grow. But you know, moving from you know Mongo to Cassandra to to Scylla is a lot easier than moving from let's say. MySQL to uh, to Cassandra or MySQL to Scylla because it's it's a fundamentally different model and how you think about data and 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 how it works. So so you're right. You can make class of decisions versus final decisions. And you know I love what you said. You, you mentioned you know active active versus active passive. I like that because you know that's a very concrete thing that you can evaluate at the beginning of your life cycle and say. Yes, active-active is going to be important to us someday, whether it's important today or not. And so we want to build an architecture that allows us to easily have an active-active multi-region setup. That leads you in a certain direction, in a direction towards someone like like Scylla. Um, but the, the, I think what what some people struggle with is the you know the you know, high performance, high scalability. Yes, NoSQL is better for that, but how much? You know, if you know, my application is going to be, you know, very, very, very big someday, but I don't know how big and I don't know exactly when. And what sorts of guidelines can you give people as far as, you know, if you're above, um, you know, this size of an application or this size of a this size of a data set or this size of a number of transactions per second, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the area where NoSQL really starts to shine. Can, can you give any guidance in those areas, or is that just too open-ended of a question? Um, I, I'll try, but 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 at the end, uh, I can easily be wrong by four hundred percent. But it's still four hundred percent and not forty-seven percent. So it's it's possible to go uh, like to to be totally wrong. So uh, not number one is the amount of volume. So with uh, relational most of the time you're going to fit it into a, a single machine. 
uh, that, that needs to, to have a certain amount of volume. Let's say a, a terabyte or 10 terabytes. Even if the machines have more capacity, it's, it's really hard for uh, a relational database to deal with uh, more than a terabyte. Uh, roughly speaking, again, uh, every object and every partition can be different, but uh, more than a terabyte, terabytes uh, a good uh, you, you begin to, number to, to be struggle. About, yeah. You can also think whether your data is chartable or not. So sometimes, let's say if you have um, multiple clients and you don't really care to, to cross-match all of the different clients, so all of your queries will always uh, have a single client ID and, and you wouldn't uh, join multiple clients together, then you, you can say, okay, uh, I need my biggest client to fit into a single computer. Th that's also possible. But, but we can also see that sometimes a single client becomes like enormous and, and they have sub-clients. So it, it, it can get uh, trickier and trickier over time. So uh, one terabyte and let's say 10,000 to 50,000-ish uh, operations per second is good for relational, and uh, anything above it is good for NoSQL. Uh, we have small customers who use uh, tens and, uh, and tens of thousands of operations per second, and bigger ones who can do multiple, multi-million operations per second and keep petabytes. Yeah, and, and to be clear, you like you, you've been very clear here is that it depends on the application. It depends on the use case and lots of variables there. And I was pushing for numbers simply because that's what people want. But it's it's you know it's a it's a thousand plus or minus a hundred thousand sort of 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 guesstimates. You know you're, the the variability of these numbers is 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 so so variable. Are, are there ever cases where you would either consider using SQL for an extremely large application with large amounts of data and lots of transactions, or alternatively, consider using a NoSQL database for a very small app. For, for uh, to use SQL for a large application is one option is application that you can easily shard. So, so that, that's example number one. So you, you, uh, the, the size wouldn't necessarily matter and, and you'll, you'll be able to, to do multiple shards. And also queries may be relatively cheap even without charting, uh, depends on the data set and, and, and your schema. And the use, yeah, the use case of the schema too, and you know, what types of selects you need to do, what type of queries, yeah, lots of variability there. Correct. Uh, we, we also have new SQL with, uh, and, and distributed SQL. Uh, we actually, if uh, someone is, is interested, uh, I'd rather not make it a product pitch, but uh, there was a, a hot uh, distributed SQL uh, great, great uh, technology and product, and we tested it versus Scylla to figure out. Okay, let, let's see what uh, distributed SQL can do. And uh, we we, we use three the same three nodes, uh, the same hardware, and we compare Scylla and th that other technology. And and uh, we, we we used one billion uh, keys, and the other database just crashed when we used one billion. So we reduced that to 100 million uh, and Scylla still used 1 billion and then we compared the two when Scylla holds 10, 10 times the data and we managed to do 9x the throughput and the latency was 4x better and so so all, all together a very big advantage and 
the 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 other technology is great. So um, th there is a big uh, advantage going to NoSQL. You're also leaving good functionality uh, off the table. Uh, we do both um, SQL vendors keep on adding functionality, and also NoSQL vendors also add functionality. We, for example. Uh, are in a transformation to move from eventual consistency to full consistency. And so uh, the, the words kind of uh, merge over time. Yeah, I, I'd love to get into a conversation. I think this is probably another episode, though, of full consistency over highly distributed databases and how you accomplish that and the techniques involved in it. It's 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 an interesting conversation in general, but probably more than we have time for today. Um, but let's talk a little bit. Now they, you mentioned that the, yeah, everyone is growing in their capabilities more and more. And in some cases, that's making the difference between SQL and NoSQL um, less and less significant, right? Uh, you, know, you look at a database like CockroachDB, which is very much focused on the same sort of of um, feature set to that a lot of non SQL non non SQL databases are focused on things like large data sets distributed over you know, geography, um, large applications, active active, et cetera. All those same sorts of things. Yet they're a SQL based database, so um, they're actually going deeper deeper into no SQL capabilities from a SQL database. You also have databases like Redis, which has historically been, you know, a a um a in-memory database that's very, very, very fast. But now they're focusing more and more on persistent databases, the ability to persist using their same API. So they're each of these companies with their own focus is merging into the space of the other ones. Are, are we creating a a um, a universe where all databases are going to be um, um, partially good at everything, but not really good at anything, because they're all kind of this this mess in the middle. Or are we really truly making it so that the choice of database is less important, and choose for whatever other reasons you want, maybe performance or whatever, but the the specific choice is less important because the capabilities exist everywhere. What's your what's your take on that change and that industry change? Uh, so it, it's it's an interesting question. Um, the, the thing is, so, so on one hand, the, uh, uh, the greater common denominator keeps expanding. So more databases are are more consistent, uh, can deal with more data, with more transaction, all of them, and have more and more APIs. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it's not that the workloads uh, remain static and just the databases get improved and, and the workloads remain static. Uh, usually the, these workloads also keep expanding sometimes in a higher pace and data may, may grow 2x year over year and the amount of data will grow. We, we also see it, for example, uh, there are cases where customers want to, let's say they, they keep history of uh, 30 days and they'd like to keep uh, history of uh, one year or seven years and run analytics on it. Uh, so we're expanding into uh, usage of uh, S3 and not just us, also other companies in the market, both relational and no, no relational uh, databases. 
So everything moves and w- what was sufficient even for a baseline uh, is not sufficient in the future. Um, so e- even though uh, b- database capabilities keep on expanding, then still the, the, indus- the, the industry requirements are also expanding. And to today it's a standard to have uh, three, reg- three zones and uh, region replication and uh, SaaS in, in general database as a service with uh, bring your own account, bring your own key, et cetera. So, you know, so in other words, the, the, um, even though the capabilities of all the databases are growing, so are the customer needs essentially, which makes sense. And the net result is there's still differentiation in the database space and sounds like there's still going to be differentiation in the database space for some time to come. Correct. I think that uh, there, there's always been, it's a hot domain. It's the biggest uh, market in software. So it's uh, it will be in two years, $100 billion market. So it will attract lots of vendors. And these vendors come both for fun because it's a, it's a fantastic domain to to work on and, and also for profits. So it, it will attract lots of improvements and lots of competition. But although there are many databases and there is no one winner takes it all, so so it's possible to do multiple things. There is clear winners in several segments, and and you can name them. And sometimes there are niches, but a niche, let's say, a graph database, is is a large niche too. Uh, it's not large, but it's large enough to be a billion dollar market. Yeah, it's. A, a small is still huge in this uh, in this environment. So yeah, um, you, you know one of the things. Well, you know one of the um, hot topics in the last several years, actually probably about a decade now, but um, it's certainly growing. Sorry about that. Uh, speaking of Alexa, by the way, which is what I was about to get into, um, one of the hot topics is AI and machine learning. And that's created, you know, that's interjected itself into almost every application development process, you know, in almost any industry, you know, why the large and small all over the place. And one of the things that that AI requires is huge, huge, huge amounts of data. So the amount of data we're storing and making available for use for things like machine learning and AI is causing a increase in need of even more data. You know, you, you mentioned um, you know the customers want to keep the data for a year or seven years versus thirty days. A lot of that is, like you say, for analytics, but a lot of that is also for machine learning and and artificial intelligence needs. Um, how does this increase in quantity of data that the world requires for technologies like AI, how does that fit into, you know, into Scylla's long-term plans and long-term requirements? And, and how does, um, how does Scylla fit into the, you know, what is the future of Scylla in that world? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Um, AI is, is a direct uh, continuation of uh, the, digital transformation of everything. So it, it's another kind of, a, before, let's say, transformation was relatively basic, now it's uh, smarter. And I bet uh, today, ChatGPT, I usually use, use the term as, uh, as a 
is an answer below average, the, the answer that uh, ChatGPT gives you, because you can't verify it, but, but it's still, if you look at uh, big data, sometimes it's good enough. Or um, so obviously, uh, lots of our customers uh, are are into AI, whether it's a generative or not non-generative uh, AI news feature stores to figure out what's going on. And uh, like everybody, or ex everybody expand towards AI and make sure that they run machine machine learning models. Uh, so, so they have all of the training and, and all of the history to train the model. And later on, they need to, uh, it, 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 sometimes it's too slow to ask AI. So they need to uh, place uh, all of the decisions that uh, from the model uh, already to pre-populate it in your profile. So once you'll get into your shopping card or to uh, the recommendation for your video or audio streaming or anything else but basically the world uh, half of our uh, usages are recommendations but you, you can look at it uh, and e-commerce is a rec recommendation to buy something um, uh, serving is a recommendation to continue to watch uh, and to watch something similar fraud is a negative recommendation of uh, Oh, I do not recommend this deal uh, with the, the user profile that uh, AI computed before. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's everywhere basically, and it will just let's say if today it's half, in the future it'll be ninety nine percent or so. Makes sense, yeah. So um, you know, if someone wants to start evaluating Scylla for their either new software project they're starting or for an existing project that they need to migrate their data somewhere what, what do you what what advice do you give them and what what should they do and so there are two approaches uh, one approach is uh, just a simplified approach just grab a, a docker container run it on on your laptop and play with it a, a bit and we, we have a civil university and and uh, with lots of uh, nice super quick uh, docker compose uh, apps that you can run and emulate uh, a, a complicated environment super quickly with one command. Uh, th there is the other approach that says, okay, let's go ahead and uh, let's imagine our most complicated uh, use, use case. Let's say you need a million ops. Uh, let, let's see if uh, it can run in a million ops. And in order to run in a million ops, you, you need uh, a, a couple of good machines. And then well, use your favorite clouds, provision them, and just uh, to try to see if it answers the most, uh, the hardest problem first, in, in, instead of delaying it to the end. Well, it makes sense. Makes sense. Now, you, you, you mentioned the Docker container. You, you obviously you have an open source version, but you also have a cloud hosted version, and you have an enterprise offering as well. Do you want to talk about the difference between those at all, or your chance for your for your marketing message here now, if you if you want to, <laughs> sure. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, open source is is the base, uh, yeah, so it, it's uh, you get a fully functional database that can do a lot. Uh, it's it's open source, so for good and bad, it's uh, you get community help with it. It's it's pretty good, uh, and and it's an easy starting point. You don't need to speak with sales. Who, who likes to speak with sales? I hope sales do, do, do not hear the podcast. 
and uh, there is there is a Scylla Enterprise, which is based on the open source uh, product. It has a longer longevity, and we harden it more. And it has a couple of more features. I'm not not trying to sell here, but uh, if someone needs support and and some other things, uh, they, um, they can purchase it, and and they manage uh, the enterprise product on their own. Uh, they, they provision the machines, and if a machine uh, dies, then they need to come up with a replacement or code that co- will replace it, uh, or Kubernetes. And uh, the SaaS product is as a service, so we are responsible for everything, exactly like uh, DynamoDB. And uh, it's easy to use, no installation, uh, just a service. And, and that's, of course, the easiest. Uh, about uh, 80% of our new users our, our new customers, uh, I'll, I'll refine it, uh, are interested in the, in the service because it's just easier that they get to focus on their app and not to maintain a distributed database. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. So Dora Lore is the co-founder and CEO of Scylla, a highly scalable, cloud-centric, NoSQL database. And he was my guest today. Dora, thank you so much for coming and being with me on Software Engineering Daily. Thanks. It was a pleasure.